0: The Andy Griffin Show, the number one talk show in St. George, starring Andy Griffin.
1: Hi everybody, good morning to you, it is 9.09 on KDXU and it's uh, school day, kind of. We're, we're talking school today. I've got Steve Dunham in the studio with me right now. Steve, welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me again. Thanks for coming in here. We also have uh, Terry Hutchinson uh, from the Washington County, Washington County School Board will join us in a few minutes as well. He's on a conference called some big-wig, big-shot meeting that I don't I don't want to go to and I don't go to. But uh, Yeah, it's it's great to be here. Now, I know you had some things you want to talk about, but we got to grab the bull by the horns right off the bat and talk about the coronavirus, the COVID-19 uh obviously it's not here yet nope uh but what are what contingencies steve are in place if if it starts to become a real deal if we start seeing uh, maybe an outbreak here in southern utah would would we close the schools if we did how would that go about what 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 kind of are you hearing right now
2: you know let's start off with what we're doing we've uh, enacted our influenza protocols and, and that really means we're deep cleaning all the common areas. We're disinfecting oh, regularly hmm. the desks, the common areas, the, all the touch points. We're having the custodians go through with an extra wipe down at the end of the day to make sure we're killing off anything that might be in the schools.
1: Now, what did you call it? The flu? <laughs>
2: the influenza protocols. Influenza oh, protocols. Yeah. Yes, right. when, when you can say <laughs> protocols, then it sounds exciting. Yeah, huh? yeah seriously. Um, we're really encouraging hand washing. That's the number one thing that, that will make a difference here. Uh, we're asking students, please wash hands regularly. Please, please we're asking parents we're going to be putting out a communication today to all of our parents that's just the uh an informational flyer from the state department of health about washing hands mm-hmm. that's one of the biggest things we can do right now wash your hands frequently that has a bigger impact than anything else on the spread of this uh this disease we had a meeting uh you know next up we had a meeting monday just just two days ago with mm-hmm. the southwest utah public uh, health department yeah and dr blodgett exactly dr mm-hmm. blodgett was there he answered all of our questions we discussed what we'd be doing he said you know uh it would be a, a very last resort that we would close schools um it would only be in an instance where we really felt like we needed to step in and stop the spread mm-hmm. and uh, uh he says but i don't foresee that happening right now um he says the uh people that are getting it of, of the age of our students it's really minor um, he's asked us to be patient with any students that might Choose to self-quarantine, which we are, as well as any staff members that are choosing to self-quarantine. We need to recognize that people may have their own uh, underlying conditions as well that could put them at a higher risk. Right. And we're being supportive of those, those measures as well. So, so, you know, again, we're encouraging hand-washing. And if you're feeling ill, you have a fever, a cough, a sneeze, self-quarantine. Stay home. Stay home. We don't want you at schools. <laughs> and we'll, good, we'll good work point. with you on making up the projects later.
1: Good, good point, and you know one of the things I wish I had the stats in front of me. But uh, I, uh, Dr. Blodgett came and spoke to the Rotary Club on Monday. Yes, uh, and he was like, he was like the odds of it someone under the age of 18 getting it are like like really, really, really low. And like I said, I don't have the number in front of me, but uh, that's one thing when you think about it, the coronavirus does seem to favor the older people. And then of course, the dangerous ones are the ones that are also have, like you said, an underlying health condition, but
2: exactly like, uh, like a pulmonary issue, a mm -hmm. heart issue or diabetes is what they've referred to us.
1: The one thing maybe to keep in mind though, is if it does arrive is you might be a carrier and not even know it. So maybe you're not going to be very sick from the coronavirus, but you could, if you're around someone who does have one of those conditions we were talking about uh, that could be serious. So again, you know, washing hands, just taking care of business.
2: Exactly, and and covering your mouth when you cough or sneeze. Mm-hmm. They talked about uh, you know coughing into your elbow so that. It's, I saw it's,
1: you do that a minute ago. I was like, way to go, yeah, Steve. There you go. Yeah,
2: and, and and it's one of those little things that we can all do that make a difference. On we're not getting it on our hands. We're not spreading it to surfaces. And then if we're washing regularly, we're taking care of business as best we can. Realistically, it's probably going to get. Here. It, it, it's going to spread. It's one of those things that spreads very easily, but uh, um, I don't think it's something we need to be afraid of. I think it's something that we just need to be aware of and, mm-hmm. and be extra diligent as we uh, take a few extra things into in in practice in our in our lives.
1: The influenza protocols. The influenza does, protocols. Does this cost you extra money? I guess it would because you have a little more time where, where your workers have to put in. Or
2: not really. Uh, well, I guess I guess in that respect, yeah, maybe. Um, but really we're, we're just saying well, we can we can put some of these other projects aside let's focus on the common areas get them all okay. wiped down and get them cleaned up yeah. and so it's not too bad we, we've we, uh, you know in the district we do have some of those uh, I don't know what they're called the electrostatic th- machines that go out and spray the disinfectant the hospital grade disinfectant oh, yeah, okay. we do have uh, a couple of those in the district that uh, if it were to happen we can go out and take you out a school and you know, make it Just really take care of it. Take it from ground zero to ground. Uh, I don't know what you'd say there. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, it makes sense. Okay, so back to my original question. Then, we, but that's what we're doing now. What if? Uh, let's put a what if in place if the virus shows up. Say we had like in, in uh, New Rochelle, New York right now, they had an mm-hmm. outbreak. There's like 100 people that have it or something. What if we get 100 people in St. George and have it and, and it starts to be the case where we need to do something? Then what would be what would be the protocol in place there?
2: We would follow the health department again on that. Mm-hmm. And, and that might be closing uh, schools, a single school. For anywhere between a day or a, a week or longer, it depends on what they feel is necessary to disinfect and get a grasp on everything, getting everybody quarantined is, as needed. We would also We're also currently working with our teachers to make sure they're up to speed on uh, remote learning where we can work through our hmm. learning management software. It's a, we refer to it as an LMS, a learning management software. It's either uh, Canvas in our secondary schools right. or Schoology in our elementary schools. And that way our teachers can still get their lesson plans up. Those can be accessed remotely by the students that might be quarantined in any way or if the school is closed they can access those lesson plans. We're also working through Google, uh, our Google platform. Google has opened up all of its tools for free to schools right now oh, through cool. this whole effort so that they you have the extra resources available to get lesson plans, videos, any instructional materials you want out to the students that might be out of school.
1: Do you foresee, not foresee, that's not the right word, if there were some sort of outbreak, would you see that affecting uh, athletic events and other extracurricular activities?
2: Uh that's possible. Um, we, we had a question about that uh, yesterday, I think. Uh, one of the, the news agencies contacted us. We would, we would again, uh, follow uh, uh, the, the UHSAA on that. If they felt like there's something that we need to make adjustments for, we would obviously do that. Um, the key thing, though, is really comes back to people. If you're not feeling well, don't be out in public at these events. Um, and, and that's the one message we'd want to convey is if you don't feel well, stay home. Yeah, and one of the hard things about that, though, is a
1: lot of the, the COVID-19 symptoms don't even appear.
2: Or they're so mild.
1: Or they're so mild you don't realize you have it. At True. BYU-Gonzaga game about a week and a half or two weeks ago, uh, there was a, that was a packed house. It was a sellout game, yeah. and there was a fan in the audience that uh, that had the early stages of COVID-19. Didn't know they had it until after the fact. Yeah. So, uh, yes, I mean, like you said, it's probably going to get here. It's probably going to happen, but it's not going to be... It's it's not the pandemic, the deadly pandemic that everyone uh, was, you know, you hear about in the movies.
2: We definitely hope it's not. And and that's the truth. You know, it's it's evolving, but I really don't think it's going to end up being a big issue. It was really uh, uh, comforting. To have that meeting with Dr. Blodgett, Mm -hmm. to go in detail, to be able to ask all our questions. We met with other representatives from St. George City, from Hurricane City, from the local police departments. We were all a part of that meeting to discuss if it or when it arrives in our community, how will we respond, and let's try and be unified with one voice. And it was very reassuring to, to know that dr blodgett is really on top of it
1: yes he he's a sharp guy he uh, is one other thing that he reminded us he said it, it looks like they're not 100 percent positive but it looks like it's the kind of virus that uh the conditions have to be right in other words when it starts to get warm here in st george yeah. it's, it's gonna have no chance to, to survive here so uh, you look at the the countries that are warm you look at like the caribbean countries and stuff that are mm-hmm. really warm they don't have that problem because it can't survive in warm weather correct so, yes. something to keep in mind uh we're not that far away from summer here in i know i know it's knocking on our door
2: i've I've already cut the lawn once so wow there we go
1: you need to aerate and fertilize and all that stuff too. i've been fertilizing oh good for you there we go good for you well we're talking with steve dunham from the washington county school district steve once again thanks for coming in it's great to have you here um you are talking about uh when you came in. you said well we have this this well maybe you tell me about the, the fees and notifications and what happened there
2: you know we had a a, a fee a hearing about our school fee plans uh-huh. and uh, uh, we've had this posted for several weeks on the the district website um, and, and so we're just discussing making sure we have all of our fees in place and the school uh, usage plans in place so our parents can see and understand how the fees are going to be used okay um, as a courtesy we, we sent out an email to our parents yesterday morning to remind them of that and uh there was some frustration from parents they felt like we hadn't notified them early enough and uh, uh we felt bad because we did that as a courtesy we'd already published uh, published the notice weeks it had been out ago. Ago. for weeks yes yeah. and and so it was just a courtesy and they felt like we hadn't given them enough notice and and so, uh, you know, if anybody missed out on that, we apologize. Again, that was a courtesy notice, the email that we sent out to parents yesterday. And we'd like to encourage people, if they have questions about the school fees, they can speak with our business administrator at the school district. He's, he's available to answer questions. We had a, a few parents come to the hearing. We had a few teachers come to the hearing and ask questions, and they were able to get their questions answered right away. Um, uh, we're really trying to be on top of this and be proactive and be, uh, come into compliance with the state law
1: awesome awesome if you'll allow me i'd like to brag for a minute i got, now you think we think about you guys at, at the school district you know larry bergeson and you and, and the school board and you think oh these guys are putting out fires and they're dealing with the negative sides of things but uh every once in a while there's a, there's some pretty cool events that happen i had happen to have a daughter who's a sterling scholar you guys were all there at this big uh region-wide uh, sterling scholar yes. uh, event and it was just really cool i have to admit so I'll tell you, I was at the state basketball tournament, right, uh-huh. uh, a few weeks ago, a couple of weeks ago, and this guy came in and wearing a skirt. Mm-hmm and uh you know say what you want about transgenderism or whatever you know that's that's i know you you can't even really even make any kind of statement for me i was a little bit like oh my gosh where are we headed as a society when this guy's got a flowered skirt on and piercings in places you don't even want to know about and so i came away from that kind of wondering about the, about the youth of today and then i went to the sterling scholar event and i saw those incredible young people who not only were outstanding right now, but you could tell every one of them—they had a plan for the future. Exactly, it was incredible.
2: I lo- I loved being there. You know that—that's a night where we can truly celebrate the accomplishments of the students it's all about them and it was so fun it was, it was also the first time that we had uh, our new high school crimson yeah. cliffs participate as well as water canyon and we had four students from water canyon there and that was really rewarding to see these students that are excelling that are achieving and and we can recognize them for being just great kids
1: yeah we're bragging a little bit about sterling scholar yeah that was a great night Great night, and again, like I said, it's, it's nice to see young people with a plan. I'm, I'm going to be honest, when I was uh, 17, 18 years old, I, I was like, my plan is to go home and eat Cheetos, you know, and take a nap. You know? and, and so to see these young people have a plan for the future and, and what they're looking forward to is, is uh, really heartening to me.
0: Yeah, it was great. Also, I'm getting a little feedback on my mic here. Maybe, Andy, I don't know if that's picking up, but uh, all of us were there. Well, yeah. the school board was there for the first time in a while. It, you know, every now and again somebody has a scheduling conflict, but last night we were, or not last night, last week we were all able to be there. And it was just great.
2: You know, and, and that's a night that really comes together because of the generosity of the community. Um, each of those Sterling Scholars receives a cash award, and that's because of a donation by either a family or a business in our community that is willing to step up and help us make that night a, a reality. And yeah. so that is that whole night became because of the generosity of businesses and families in our community.
1: And it wasn't a theoretically th- theoretical scholarship to you know wherever it was actually a check. Just my a like check. my yeah. daughter got to bring home a check. She's yeah, like, look, Dad, I'm like, hey, that's more than I made today. So, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, yeah, uh, thank you. I think Deseret News was a, was the original sponsor of the Sterling Scholar, right, back in the day, and, and they've been able to keep it going. So. Yes,
2: yeah, so and they've been able to expand it out into the different communities, and 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 so we have ours, and then they'll uh, they'll have the uh, region competition. The region competition
0: State. is around the first of April, I
2: think. April second yes
0: yeah so yeah i i think laura Hessen is going to be representing us there maybe one or two of the others i i don't know
1: perfect awesome hey yeah we do have a caller on the line they've been very patient you guys mind taking a call hey, not you? at all all right let's go to the phone line caller you're on with andy i've got steve dunham and terry hutchinson from the washington county school district
3: uh my good morning
2: morning morning
3: uh this uh, question is pretty basic are there test kits available in this community and is there somebody here that can read them?
1: We're talking talking about the coronavirus, right? Yes. Yeah, so, so basically you go to your doctor. Yes, there are test kits available. Uh, they have, uh, most, most doctors have been briefed on how to administer the test. It's basically a swab that they send into a lab. So actually they don't need anything special to do it. They just need to get the swab and get it into the right
0: place. And, so, and I think they also talk about how the doctors or, or the people taking the test can kind of take extra precautions. So sure. there's a little bit of extra training that had to go on. But that's really a question for the public health. Yeah, department.
2: That's a, that's a question for the public health department. I know that the recommendation that they told us is they prefer you call your doctor before you go in. Uh, make a phone call that.
3: first. I'm just wondering if if there were kits sitting somewhere in the community that could be used.
1: Yeah, you know, there's there's actually a misconception about that. It doesn't have to be a special test. Uh, per se, as your doctor could administer it with what he has already, it just has to be sent and looked for at a. You know, they send it to a special place and they look for a certain. Yeah, the, uh, a, there a are certain, labs yeah. that
0: have the test kits, so the the test is just taken by a regular medical provider.
1: Okay.
3: Okay. Thank
0: you. All
1: right. Thanks for the call. We did talk, Terry. I know you were you're in on a conference call, but we did talk about some of the, the things in place, including the influenza protocols that were. <laughs> yeah. I, I learned that. Too. I didn't know there was such a thing. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, but uh, it sounds like uh, under the direction of the Southwest Utah Public Health Department, or rather the advice of them, that you guys are actually pretty well prepared
0: for any kind of outbreak at this point. Yeah? Well, we've been working at it for quite a while, as as I'm sure Steve indicated before. I was on a – my conference call was actually one of my school board responsibilities. I'm on the board of the technical college, and we had an emergency meeting. So. Um, I took that from outside the studio here rather than just up on the hill, but uh, we have consulted with not only the public health, but the regular providers, the police, everybody's kind of gotten together, and we have some contingency plans, although Dr. Blodgett, and I would make this point, has said it does not look like, and he does not anticipate anyway, that we're going to have to close schools and do some major things down here in Washington County, but... I mean, if you look at some areas of the country and the world, they're kind of, um, they, they, they're treating it at a different level than mm-hmm. a lot of others. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, I, I think that's worth repeating, too. At this point, uh, unless something big, big, big happens, we're not going to be closing schools.
2: Exactly. Yeah. And in fact, if you look so at... So kids
0: go- who are listening... Sorry. Sorry. Yeah. You're out,
2: no virus day. Um, but if you look across the country, you'll notice uh, some of the schools that might be closing are only closing for a very short period of time. It seems like they're going through a, a disinfectant process, right? And then they're they're getting the the students back to schools with uh, uh, self quarantining whoever the needs to be.
1: Now, if it snows six inches overnight, we might close some schools. Heavens, in St. George, <laughs> it's snowing an
2: inch, and we might be closing schools.
1: Yeah. Good good point. Especially if there's a little ice coming in, we yeah. don't know. we don't know how to drive in that stuff. No, so In fact, how are you doing? I know you go up to Salt Lake occasionally to help with your son's business, yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. So I work out the of snow, town a lot. How you doing the
0: snow driving? How's that? Um, I, you, you know, okay? I'm fine. Because you're a because, St. George guy. Well, I'm a St. George guy, but I also have had a practice where I've had to go up north for legal stuff all the time. Oh, okay. So I've driven through snowstorms for 30 years. It's not a big deal. It's not fun, though. No. no. <laughs> you just leave a couple extra hours early, and you got to be patient and... You you drive at your own comfort level, and my comfort level is really slow when it's snowing and icy. There's nothing wrong with that, Terry. Old man. All right. <laughs> we <gotta> get... Yeah, <laughs> since I was 30. Yeah.
1: <laughs> we got to get a commercial break on. I'm on with uh, Steve Dunham, who is the public information officer, uh, public communications director for the school district, and Terry Hutchinson, who is the, a member of the Washington County School Board, also running again. We'll talk about that a little bit. Morning once again, it's 9.31. This is News Radio 94.9, 890 KDX. We're talking in Washington County Schools today. I have in studio with me a couple of good-looking gen- uh, young gentlemen, one with more hair than the other. and
2: uh Unfortunately, it's not Steve Dunham with more hair.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, you
2: got the beard. Yeah, there you go. <laughs>
0: it's called compensation.
1: <laughs> That's right. It's good to have you guys here. Thank you for coming in. If, if you have a question, folks, out there for uh these guys at six six seven three five eight nine zero we're talking washington county schools so if you're calling to ask about uh, i don't know the price of tea in china which you wouldn't want right now anyway right uh then uh, maybe maybe call another day but uh, yeah we're talking about schools today i know you guys had a big meeting last night you well we,
0: we have our school board meeting regularly once a month and then we usually have one or two work meetings during the month um and we've been doing that now since I got on the board with increasing frequency. I know the Alpine School District meets officially twice a month, but uh, we're not quite there yet, but we wind up having almost two official meetings a month, and then there's a lot of unofficial meetings or duties and everything else. I mean, my, my uh, conference call, as I mentioned earlier in the program, was about some funding issues that came up on rather short notice for the college board, for the technical college, and I... We have our regular meeting for that, not next week, but the week after that. So they, we just had to do that. It was not about coronavirus, so <laughs> they have their contingencies and their plans all getting ready to go as well, but that, that wasn't anything about that. But the big meeting is when we take our official positions. The public's welcome to come. It's at 4.30, the second Tuesday of every month. Cool. And last night's meeting went a little longer than usual, Primarily, I think we spent probably a good half hour, 40 minutes, uh, taking comments about the new student fee schedules. Mm -hmm. Um, One of the parents had had raised the issue, hey, why do we even have to pay fees? I'm moving in from a district where all fees were covered. And I think that's a direction that some of the legislatures want to move towards, and I think this is a step in that direction. Um, But... The The main reason for this, and we've explained this many times, is it involved a uh, lawsuit that was filed about 20 years ago. Really? Court an injunction, and then everybody basically ignored it for a couple of decades. And uh, then the state got involved and did some audits and found that all kinds of programs were having charges and overcharges and all kinds of things. I, I, I wouldn't say that there was um, a lot of dishonesty going on with that, although, you know, you might have the occasional one, but... Uh, what they wanted to do is make sure that it was more fair, especially for kids who you know, needed fee waivers or something. So to make the fees more uni- un- uniform, to make the spending plans of the programs more um, accountable to the public and the parents. And uh, it's a learning process. We're in our second year of it. This coming year will be the first year that if you mess it up too badly, they'll kill your program. Ooh. So the state will kill a cheerleading program, or a drill team program, or even a football team. I, I would hope they would get a warning first. Well, yeah, but it depends <laughs> on the seriousness of the offense.
2: You don't, and, and, and that's actually why we've been working on it for our second year. Many school districts are starting it this year, and we began it a year ago. Yeah. Is a way to start to work out the bugs so that we could be in compliance completely with state law.
0: So we don't have a program. So we don't have a program to, so get, killed. A program yeah. to get killed, but. You know, if you get a renegade program or renegade group of parents are doing something that's outside the lines, uh, you know, and and I mentioned this at the meeting last night, it, it could still affect the program in some way. So we just want to be extra careful, and we want to have groups and parents and everybody support the kids and, and the activities and everything they're doing, but we, we do want to make sure that we're in compliance. The, the compliance is the key. And and ultimately, the goal is to encourage the participation and to account for those who may not be able to afford. So trips, I mean, it's it's very detailed and, and broad scale, and it's taken um, many hours of meetings on our part as a school district with an incredible amount of detail. And then... You know, obviously, the administrators, particularly the principals and athletic directors at the secondary levels, even the art teachers have gotten involved. It's it is comprehensive, more so than we've seen in the past.
1: That's good because I can tell you, as as a parent of a couple of students in Washington County, Mm -hmm. uh, I wouldn't be considered someone that could get a fee waiver. Yeah. But when I get you know a a club or whatever, and it's two or three or four hundred or five hundred or I guess some of the dance and cheerleading were up over a thousand dollars. That's not. That's not going to make or break. They, they, they actually make. found that some of those up up north were in the three thousand plus range but that 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 actually would break the bank but uh, the 2 3 500 that's a hardship for sure yes. it maybe yeah. doesn't break the bank but that's that's a lot of money mm-hmm. to come up with all at once especially if you have more than one student yeah
0: so so when a, a student qualifies for the fee waiver then there's certain provisions that we have at the school to provide for that when they don't and they're in a situation where well we really can't do this but we don't quite qualify for the fee waiver then there are some individual fundraising programs that are mm-hmm. that are made available to give the students a chance to earn some individual funds or you know one of the things that that the groups can do is they can just go out and do the fundraising for everything and uh then they can pay for everybody so and we just had a school go to uh disneyland i think it was somebody one went of the to groups. perform yes they went to perform but it was all done by a fundraiser
1: hmm. Yeah, now are there restrictions on the fundraisers? Then and, you know you can only do certain things. And yeah,
0: and and you have we we want them to be careful about how they do it and and how they affiliate with us. And uh, so, if there's questions about that, get get a hold of the administrators. And because uh, w- we want that opportunity to be available, but you know we- they are independent.
2: We still have a, a fundraising policy and, and mm-hmm. that outlines the procedures that everybody has to go through so to make sure they're in compliance with everything, that it's, that it's fair and it's equitable for any e- entity that's coming in to work with the school district. Are you
1: aware of any maybe, of the big taboos, certain things that maybe we regularly might do that just you can't do or not off the top of your head necessarily?
2: Not that I can think of.
1: Okay, I just wonder, yeah. you know, the old bake sales back in the day or the, you know, the kids going around sell, selling the, uh, the 50 cent candy bar for $3 yeah. and things like that. Uh, we want to help. You know, I mean, I understand.
0: Well, yeah. they, you know, it's interesting. You don't always think about those things until they happen. So, for example, when we had our problems with the Crimson Cliff Field, which we're told is fixed and the track is fixed finally, oh, and everything's I hope so. there. Yeah. But that they lost, their booster club lost revenue because they couldn't, they couldn't, didn't have any money coming in. Didn't have any money for, from, bake sales and other concessions, yeah. concessions that they that they sell at the, at the games, games, at the yeah. home games. So, um, you, you know, all of a sudden here we are a game or two into the season and then the booster club's saying, hey, we don't have anywhere to sell concessions and we're hurting in this way. So we had to try and scramble to make provisions for that.
1: Hmm, very good. Well, I, I know that... Uh, uh, boy, one of the pet peeves of mine is, is the fundraisers that where the kids don't actually get the money. And I'm not talking about schools, but uh, there's a certain uh, female youth program. That's all I'm going to say about it, where they sell uh, certain delectables for an overpriced amount that are now $5 a box. And the kids, the local kids, get like 3% of that.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And the, the, you know, the... the proverbial fat cats you know, well, I, we're, we're working I don't on want to get that.
0: anybody in, I, 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 in fact you know one of the things about the foundation that kind of raises the foundation that that Steve is working with have you know they do a lot of valuable work and and they've really increased their participation and their fundraising over the last couple of months or a couple of years I should say and ultimately the goal may be for us to do more fundraising through the foundation and less through outside groups of of other things so you know, I, I, I think times are changing.
2: And yeah. as, as Terry mentions, by by the district having its own foundation, we can pass on 100% of the donation directly to where the parents want it to go, whether that's the teacher, whether that's the group, anything. And no administrative costs are taken out. Mm-hmm. Like you, the example you gave where so much of those costs are taken out for right. other things. that We don't do that. It's passed on directly to whatever group, organization, or class the parent wants it to, to go to. And so it makes a huge impact on learning in our schools.
0: Mm-hmm. And and as that gets bigger and more popular, uh, other forms of fundraising outside, maybe that people have questioned or had problems with in the past, or something else, those, those will probably just naturally fall away oh, due so. to the market forces. Oh, I hope so. Yeah,
1: I know that uh, I, my kids both took pottery or some sort of uh, clay pottery type class this year, and we had to, you know, we had to write a check. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, pay for materials and things like that. I understand that. But uh, sometimes you, you know, it seems like, oh, I just wrote you a check yesterday. Oh, I just wrote you a check last week. And, and yes, we still write checks, by the way, in the Griffin family. Uh- yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Even after all these years. Uh, now, I heard a rumor, in, and you guys, uh, I, I know you love rumors, most of you do, uh, <laughs> that we're having a bus driver shortage or something like that. Is that, is that
0: true? Or I don't think that's a rumor. D- difficult, oh. Yeah,
2: yeah. We, we've been in that for about uh, the past four or five years or, yeah. really, or more, still maybe. It's still a problem. And, and it's it not does. just
0: us. I mean, everywhere you it's go. statewide. uh You'll see school buses parked somewhere saying "drivers benefits." We pay eighteen fifty an hour or whatever it is. I I shouldn't use a number because we may I, not I think pay it's fifteen
2: ninety six an hour. I think it's right around that.
0: It's still pretty good. Yeah, you know, Beats be mm-hmm. flipping
1: burgers, but uh, so. Is there anything that can be done about that? Does, does the does the wages need to be uh, raised? Do we, do we need to guarantee that get a certain number of hours? Do we need to put
0: tapes over the that, kids' mouths? I mean, that's a problem. <laughs> that's a problem without a simple solution, and uh-huh. we are still looking at it. I would say
2: it's true. It, it, as you consider uh, statewide the issue, you know one of the challenges we face is that we, here in Washington County, we're a school district of approximately thirty-five thousand students, mm-hmm. and yet we transport about eleven to twelve thousand kids. Every single day to and from schools. Mm. Now, compare that to Granite School District, which is the largest or the second largest school district in the state. After Jordan, right? uh, No, actually, after Alpine. Alpine's Alpine's number one. Oh, yeah. Way way bigger. And so they have about 68,000 children. And yet they transport eleven to 12,000 children every day. Much and, lower percentage. And it's percentage. because yeah. we are more rural, we have further to travel, and it actually costs us more. We get less of a reimbursement from the state than Granite School District does. So it actually costs yeah. us more for tra- to transport the, children than, the, than it does up there, up along the Wasatch Front.
0: The northern districts have some program also for, involving blind students and some other students with those kind of needs and they're able to piggyback all together and get even more money. So hmm. not only are their transportation costs less, their transportation cuz they normally don't transport as far. They transport fewer students and a lower percentage of students and yet they get as much or more money than we do. So it's it's really a, a it's a situation of economy of scale that they take advantage of that we don't. And that even applies with our teaching situation. Because, you know, well, you know, you can work in the Granite school district and you can live outside the district and commute pretty easily, especially with mass transportation up there. If you live in Washington County and you want to live outside Washington County, you are driving every day a long way. And Mm -hmm. that is a cost burden that falls on the teachers and our staff. And so it's it's an interesting challenge as our as our district grows. We're able to provide more benefits. Uh, You know, we have a really good health plan. Um, We're going to. getting uh, a lot of money from the state this year they're telling us could be a, a higher percentage than we've had in some time the last time we had this large of a percentage we were able to give the teachers the largest pay raise they'd had in a while and i would anticipate that we will be looking at that again here in the next week month or so when we get the numbers um that's something that gets negotiated out between us and and the teachers and um you know, once again, when times are good, we try and pass that on to the teachers, and uh, we try and keep the burden on the taxpayers lower. So. I, I had
1: heard, and I don't know if this is true, that uh, they an organization that I think one of my kids was involved in or something, they actually had to call Cedar to get a bus driver, had to call the, the, uh, an Iron County school bus Does that make sense? Is that possible?
2: It's very possible. In fact, as we've come into all these state championships in the spring, mm-hmm. it has become a significant challenge to have really? sufficient bus drivers to get, say, uh, the swim team up to BYU, where the state championships took right. place to get all, uh, all of our daily bus needs taken care of, and then all the other teams traveling that needed to travel. We will have those moratoriums in place again in May, where it will become a significant challenge, where, yeah. where schools may have to you, use... You have baseball
0: uh, tournaments up north, you have all the final... You have tons of activities at year-end final, and yet every day, we still have to do our regular 12,000 yeah. student-a-day transport to and from school. So that's in the morning there and back and i mean you know that's the and and the bus drivers one of the things about being a bus driver is it's not like it's a nine-to-five job right they'll start early in the morning for a couple hours and then they'll have a break and then they'll go in the middle of the afternoon or and it's just a and we try to fill
2: in field trips on there or Mm -hmm. or or other things but Mm -hmm. it is a, a significant challenge
1: yeah it sounds like a challenge and a tough job and i mean let's be honest who wants to sit on a bus with 50 kids Right, making noise. And
0: well, noise. I think a lot of them enjoy it. I think the vast majority of them enjoy their work and, and do it because they love being around the kids. And being around the kids is really the, the best thing about the education. keeps you young.
2: I, w- I would agree with that. I think yeah? we really try and support our bus drivers by, by ensuring that the students are well-behaved. If the kids are well-behaved, then it's not a bad opportunity. It's not a bad job. It's something that is uh, – they are the first – uh, experience our students have with the school system every single day hmm. and and sometimes those bus drivers set the tone for how the day is going to be for those kids we, yeah. we really truly appreciate our bus drivers and the work they do to to do that to create that environment where learning can take place every day
0: and yeah. they're individuals so sometimes i mean you know every now and again my kids have had a cranky bus driver <laughs> <laughs> and maybe it was just a bad day or maybe it's a bad life you never know but uh, re- regardless it's something that uh, that the kids do enjoy
1: Nine. We've got a couple of callers on the line. Let's go to the phone. Line one. Caller, you're on with Andy, Steve Dunham, and Terry Hutchinson. How are you?
3: Hello. I'm fine. Um, I have a son that uh, has autism, and I'm an older uh, grandparent father kind of person. Mm-hmm. And um, he was over here in Herk, and He was the be- the almost said the name, the charter school over here. Last year, he was mercilessly. Um. Just he was just picked on terribly to the point that he told me he never wanted to leave the house and go out mm. ever again. And that's that's the charter school over here. And so I took him down to the intermediate school, Doctor Christensen. Yes. And it's night and day. That man has, runs uh, such a fair situation, and he's seriously concerned about. My, uh, just my child with autism and you know you guys have done I used to teach for you guys um, so I know how hard it is but the intermediate school over here you guys have done wonderful and he wants to go to school now and he's welcomed and thank um, you whereas up at that charter school he was uh, well he was driven out and you know from them and you know the way to the way to pupil unit it, apparently they it's called canceling out are you familiar with that term no. where they get the money and then they do what they can to get rid of the child oh, anyway yeah. I, I just i just want to you know tell you that uh, the man deserves any praise that he can get and then as for busing um he suggested that jonathan not get on the bus so i've been driving him back and forth to school um take him in the morning and pick him up, and somebody was saying, "Well, you're supposed to be um, you're supposed to be getting money for that." I said, "Well, I don't think so. Can you address that?"
2: You know, there there is a reimbursement depending upon the situation of how far you live from the school. Um, and, and I don't know the details on that. I would ask you to contact our transportation department, but there is a reimbursement available to parents that, in, in, for whatever reason, have to self-transport their, their students to school.
0: It's not just their choice, though, yeah. to self-transport. There has to be a reason. And in this case, it, it sounds, sounds like the, you may qualify for that. Exactly.
2: So. And thank you for sharing that mm-hmm. example. Brad Christensen is, is such an amazing principal. He's he does such yeah. a great yeah. Yeah. job with the students at Hurricane Intermediate. And I'm so relieved leave to hear you say that your child is having a great experience in school enjoys learning is being accepted thank you for sharing that I, you know we we accept every single child that comes into our doors and we try and create the opportunities for them that where they can flourish where they can grow where they can learn on their level and so thank you for calling
1: all right we're going to go to line two now caller you're on with andy with uh, steve dunham and terry hutchinson how are you today i'm great
3: thanks for taking my call just a quick question Okay. With all of the extracurricular activities that are involved, and I know there's a lot of them, but the sports programs, the cheer, the dance, uh, the drama, all of those different things, are most of the students, do they have fees associated with that, and how much of the fees actually pay
1: the actual cost versus what the school district pays for those programs. Okay, so her call was kind of jumping in yeah, there. But yeah. basically she said, mm-hmm. are there fees associated with all the different activities? If there are, how big are they? And then are there programs to help with that?
0: Well, yeah, we talked about that earlier. Um, the The money is budgeted for the schools for certain things, and then the parents and the the students participating in those In those activities, pay some additional fees. So, for example, in an art class, they may require a certain type of colored pencil Mm -hmm. or something. That's now included in the fee packet, and that's what the money goes for. And it used to be the the, the art teacher would just say, I think it's going to be $30 this year, so pay $30, and then we'll see. And then every now and again, they'd run out and have to go back. Now, it's delineated right from the start, and it is not deviated from so there's number one, a set amount. Number two, an accountability and a transparency about what that money is for and exactly what it's used for, and it's only for the cost of that. I mean, we used to have these spirit packs, quote unquote, mm-hmm. for various I, I paid those, sports yeah. or something, and they'd be a lot of money, yes, and yet the stuff in there would only be worth you know twenty dollars or something. Mm-hmm. So there, it, it was a way. I mean and most of the funds were used for the program but on the other hand this is just a better way of accounting and and getting everybody more involved and then there's a cap about the total amount that can be spent on any student now we raised the cap to a very high level simply because you know sometimes you're going to get a student who's involved in four or five varsity sports and debate and art and choir and so forth mm-hmm. and and those can really add up that way so i i hope we address that uh caller's question but when students can't do that, then the fee waivers come in, and uh, those funds are provided for by the district.
2: And, Terry, correct me if I'm wrong. I think part of her question was, is, does the school district subsidize some of these programs? And I don't think that's the case. We, we Like you mentioned, we have a set budget for each department for yeah. each thing, and then the, those programs have to kind of self-fund.
0: Well, you know, you, you, I mean, it's like having a band program. And banned classes. We obviously are subsidizing that. If you were to privately do that, you know, there's certain government functions that you do. It's like paying for the roads. It's just something, the base is there. Now, we're not operating these at a loss. and In fact, you know, when the revenues come into the athletic department, it's spread among all of the other programs. So... You know, I, I, I would not say that it's subsidized, but on the other hand, these are activities that we feel as a board, and, you know, a lot of it's traditional, that they're good for students. They and add to the overall experience. The, well, they add to the experience, and also it's just part of the community. Yes. And so, you know, you, you go in there, and, and the community, the, the, the schools are part of the community. When, when we were talking about our elementary schools and doing some repurposing over on the west side, mm-hmm. one of the factors that really came to the fore was the community's involvement and feeling about Dixie Sun. And so um, we made some changes based on that community effect that would be happened there. So, you know, there's there's that's just one of the other factors that's involved. But no, it's not like we're just, funding programs to have the programs we've decided these programs are important especially the music and choir programs which really don't make a lot of money yes drama programs really don't make everything back i mean you know we have a teacher that we're paying in order to do those things and so so that's kind of how i would respond to that
2: perfect
1: all right, got to, got to get time out in here, uh, and then we've got some callers still on, on hold. So uh, this is the Andy Griffin Show. I do want to thank Joe Schoen. He's a local loan consultant focusing on customer service. Joe has been around for more than two decades, actually two and a half decades, serving southern Utah, and uh, he's put himself out there. He said, go ahead and review me online. I want to know what, how you feel, and his average is incredible, 4.91 out of five stars with 311 reviews online. For, for instance, this is Virginia. She says, Joe and Sue's team are honestly the best. They work tirelessly to find the right loan for my clients and get them to the finish line. Their communication is top-notch. Uh, five stars. How about uh, Steven? said Joe had all the answers to each situation that we encountered. They just go on and on like that. Five stars. It's Joe Shoney. The phone number is 435-590-6300. Or you can email Joe, joe.shoney, S-C-H-O-N-E-Y, joe.shoney at N-E-F-I-N-C. Sometimes the discussion off the air is as good as the discussion on the air, maybe better. I guess. Well, as long as my mic isn't live, we're good. <laughs> it is uh, nine fifty-six. Running out of time. Let's go right to the phone line. I'm on uh, with uh, Steve Dunham and Terry Hutchinson. And uh, caller, you're on with us. What's up? And what's on your mind?
2: Is that me?
3: Yeah, that's you. Go ahead. Hey, I I've been thinking about this for quite a while. These education We're, we go to school for education we have all these athletic events mm-hmm. why why don't we just let all of the athletics just privatize there's groups and clubs already out there doing it and then make our schools back to what they're supposed to be where we can go and learn um i know that's kind of like taking a big stick and hitting the hornet's nest here but it makes more sense financially it makes more sense for the education system and I, I don't know just your thoughts
0: i'll listen off there thanks all right thanks for calling what do you, guys well, you think? know uh, well we are actually doing that because we have this new cte high school that's uh that we're in the process of getting going on um i think it's going to be online fall of 2022 that's correct and it'll be 9 through 12 and no athletic events no extracurricular events it's all about the training so hmm. they're going to do the basics they're going to do the academic skills that they need whether it's math English, science, science, those kind of things. And then they're going to be doing trades. So whether it's nursing or you know food services or a lot of different things, that's what they'll be doing.
2: And the basic academic needs are catered so that it, it falls into that pathway of where the student wants to end up at the yeah. end of their high school career. They'll graduate with their diploma and an industry-rated certificate and can earn a livable wage right out of high school. Yeah. And, and we're working closely with... Uh, uh, Dixie, Dixie, Tech, Dixie Tech, mm-hmm. and Dixie State Dixie as State. well on yeah. on our pathways, so that we're not uh, we're not stepping on anybody's toes, but we're we're developing pathways that are going to feed into those if the mm-hmm. students choose. And, okay. and this what, is
0: for students who who aren't necessarily going to go to college and who don't want to participate in those things.
1: What about? Let, let's answer his question at face mm-hmm. value. Though, what about? Dixie High Flyers, and Pine View Panthers, Snow Canyon Warriors, Is there ever been a thought of, of
0: privatizing those? Well, I'm sure there's been an occasional thought about it, but, you know, until there's a lot more... Uh,
2: That's a directive that would really need to come down from the state yeah, level. because because it's a state, state tradition,
0: of it's a country tradition, but as, as time, you know, you never know how things are going to change in the future. I will say this. I, I don't advocate that. I,
1: I like that it's associated with the school. And, I mean, yeah, it takes away. You, you can make a case that it you know it detracts from the mission of the schools. But I think well, it's, I think it's a, a great part of things. A
0: part of the education of students, and, and I feel this way about myself from, you know, public school, is those kind of activities help me for future life. There's more about education than just what you get out of the books. Very well And said. that's very important.
1: Very well said. Thank you, Terry. Thank you, Stan. Great welcome. to talk to you
0: today.